today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. A report from the Social Planning and Research Council now says that Hamilton's poverty rate has dropped by nearly a quarter over the last two decades. That's the good news. The bad news is we still have a long way to go. Joining us to talk about this is uh, our good friend Sarah Mayo, who's with the Social Planning and Research Council, and Kim Martin, who is the new executive director for the SPRC. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you for coming in today, and it's great to meet you. Thanks for coming in, Kim. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Good to have you with us. Is this, uh, I guess, Sarah, kind of a good news, bad news report? Well, I think generally good news. We're on the right track. Um, that's never bad news. It might not be going as fast, you know, certainly as, as we would want to see. Um, and so lots, this report certainly talks about a lot of things we can do better to reduce poverty and really work towards eliminating it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that there's, it's good news all around, you know, the, the we've seen an, 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 a decrease from 21.9% in 1996 to 16.6% of the population in 2016. Uh, with that in mind, and, and we are to be you know happy about that and congratulate uh, those that have been working so diligently on this, uh, but the reality, Kim, is we're still below the provincial average, and we've still got a long... It's not ready... To, we're not ready to put the toolbox away yet, are we? No, no. I mean, there, I, I think that's, that's one of the main points of the report, too, is that we're emphasizing that um, intervention does work, and we can't stop now. So that's that's why we've in, entitled the the project with that name is that there's still an awful lot of work to do. There still are disparities within the communities, as we've heard about and, and we're familiar with with um, Code Red research that mm-hmm. has come out and revisiting that. Um, we know that for women, um, there are disparities that exist for them, for uh, people that are racialized as well, for single people. So we really need to pay attention to to some of some of those areas in order to um, raise everyone to the same to the same standard. Well, and I guess uh, you know we're we're still getting new information on this almost on a daily basis. I just heard the story this morning about the, the challenges with the LGBTQ uh, population too, and uh, and a lot of that seems to be centered in the downtown core. And there there is a geography element to this, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, uh, Hamilton, like most cities, um, uh, there's uh, segregation by income. Um, and most, you know, Hamilton, like most cities, has uh, some neighborhoods with no affordable housing. And so that's really, you know, housing is really the driver of these trends of where, um, if you have a, a lower income, where you can live. Um, there are many cities where there is no longer any affordable housing in the downtown, and Hamilton, in some ways, were we're lucky that we still have um, some affordable housing downtown, but we need affordable housing uh, across the city so that people um, can stay, you know, near their family, near their jobs, um, even if their income is, is lower than uh, than other people in the neighborhood. One of the more troubling statistics that we saw, and it was released just a couple of months ago, Kim, uh, talks about life expectancy and lifespan. Uh, and uh, the Code Red report that was issued this year actually says that uh, the lifespan of people living in the lower part of the city uh, five years fewer than people that live on the mountain, six years fewer than people that live in some of the suburban communities. Uh, that tells us that we've we've still got an awful lot of work to do, and we know actually where to target it. Absolutely, and I, I think it's only it's only through um, through the research that we're able to know where we need to target our efforts and and what some of those barriers are, and how can we reduce the barriers for those communities. And and uh, and this report talks about you know a lot of the things that would help with that. So it talks about the improvements that we've had in our social safety net. You know, there's, um, we have seen certainly uh, improvements for families with children. Um, the uh, uh, 
the income tax, the child benefits that have improved quite a bit over the last 20 years. We've seen a lot of improvements to education um, funding um, and, and the high school graduation rate has gone up uh, tremendously in the last 20 years. Um, the minimum wage has gone up. So all these things um, help people um, to uh, be able to, you know, fulfill their potential and and uh, access the labor market and, and get a good job and, and be able to leave poverty. But there's more that needs to be done, exactly like you say, because these disparities in uh, it poverty, it doesn't just affect your income. Um, low income also um, affects health and um, life expectancy. And so we need to do more. Um, certainly the... Um, affordable, uh, the, the the rental housing crisis um, is something that needs attention. We need better tenant protections. Um, we need to make social assistance adequate and fair. We need to address discrimination and inequality, certainly in, employ in employment. And um, yeah, these, uh, you know, there's uh, some of these things are simple to do. Some are, are more complex, but, but we can't stop now and we have to continue to uh, to improve all these things well and somebody just uh, I think just tilted the floor just a little bit more too because I mean e these numbers are reflective of what's happened in the past uh, number of years Kim and and they, as you say there's a lot of good news here but if you look at some of the more recent government policy announcements and changes that have come uh, it means there's going to be even more challenges here uh, the yes the the you know the minimum wage did go up but not as much as it was supposed to and it's been frozen now uh, the, the living wage program that we thought was going to be in place here, and a number of people in the Hamilton area, as you know, took part in that. That's gone now. Uh, and it just seems as if there are going to be a number of other challenges now, too, with some of the other cuts uh, to some of the other social programs that have been announced in the last couple of weeks here uh, by the government. It's, uh, it's going to put an awful lot more pressure to try to keep moving ahead here. Yeah, it, it, defi it definitely will. Um, so, And that's why it's really important that, that we work together and uh, and work together with other community groups and work with the government so that we recognize that actually intervention does work um, there we've, we've identified as well that there are there are barriers um, even with some of the interventions that are in place to assist people that are in situations of poverty so for example one of the things that 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 we know is that um, things like child tax uh, credits aren't always redeemed by the people that are that are most needing them, and that there can be barriers in terms of the system, in terms of how people access those those benefits. So there are there are tax clinics in place. We have a, actually a financial empowerment program that helps people that are. Uh, um, experiencing low income to be able to apply for the for the credits. Sometimes people aren't applying for credits that they're entitled to. So there are some of these systemic barriers in terms of how people access services. We need to also break down some of those. How do you reach out to them? Because a lot of the time, they're not doing it because they're trying to run from the government. They just don't know. Exactly. And and so part of that really is, is, uh, is education and outreach and really bringing programs to where people are at. Um, many of our systems are designed um, to really require that people um, that people approach the institution mm -hmm. in order to get the help. Yeah. And I think we need to look at things a little differently. We need to look at how can we bring the services to the people? Where are the people um, that aren't showing up maybe in the government offices to apply for benefits that they're entitled to? Um, how can we reach out to them? So it's really, I think, more of an outreach program that we're looking at and connecting with service agencies also that are, that are providing some service. Uh, and that's that's part of the challenge, I guess, Sarah, to actually find out exactly where you do have to go to try to reach out and to, and to get that message out there. 
Yeah, I mean, on the, on the uh, you know, back to the tax clinic idea there, you know, sometimes the, the barrier can be, you know, my last employer didn't give me a T4. And, and so people, you know, think that, uh, you know, and rightly so, it does sound like if I don't have a T4, how can I complete my taxes? But there are ways to, um, to find a solution to that problem. Uh, you know, my last employer went bankrupt. I don't even know where to go. And so those kinds of things can be big barriers. And, and, and so reaching out to people, um, this program in particular um, is reaching out to through different agencies, um, through earlier centers, et cetera, to, to let people know of the, the services out there to help people. And to help people, it's a financial empowerment program to help people um, uh, be able to prepare their own taxes and, and help people in their own communities um, so that they can um, have that independence to, to not worry about, oh, how am I going to do this next year? How are we doing in the housing situation? Uh, Sarah mentioned that uh, came right off the top as one of the major challenges, and that always has been. Uh, and, and as a result of, of, of that challenge, of course, you've got some secondary challenges that, that spring from that. Uh, the fact that people tend to leave me from one neighborhood to another on a pretty consistent basis. You've got kids that maybe go to one school one year and then they have to move because they, they couldn't afford the apartment or their, their living space, whichever it was. Uh, and that nomadic lifestyle only makes a bad situation worse. So how do, how do we challenge that? How do we tackle that? Yeah, housing is a, you know, I think to me the core issue in Ontario that is not getting the attention it deserves because most of the people who you know most of the headlines we see in about housing are about sort of how great it is for you know if you own property yeah it's pretty good because when you resell your house you will uh, make a profit much more than you would have in past decades because we've seen such an inflation uh, such a quick inflation in housing prices and and the you know uh, real estate boards etc they really um, that's that's good for them and so it's seen as a positive but um, really, we have to give more attention uh, and, and, and listen to the voices of tenants, of people who don't own property or who are trying to buy houses and, and, and are tenants right now and who are really facing difficulties. And so, um, you know, tenant protection is an easy thing, you know, for a government that right now, provincial government that doesn't want to spend money, improving the, the Residential Tenancies Act would cost zero money and would really help people. Um, we could have a system like in Quebec where there there is much better tenant protections where there is some um, where you can find out what the previous rent was for for the a, a new unit you move into and be able to appeal if if it's been um, increased uh, to a. An outrageous level, um, but, but we're going the wrong way in Ontario in the last little while. Some of the recent decisions here were rolling back the clock, and, and a lot of those tenant protections that had been in place are now being removed. Um, on, on tenant protection, we haven't. There's other areas where where we've seen some rollbacks. Certainly in employment, um, you know, we're we're firing employment inspectors, which were helping people um, who were in exploited situations by their employer. We have uh, reduced uh, employment standards. Uh, so yeah, those those rollbacks are terrible for people in in precarious situations and precarious employment situations. Um, but the the people in precarious housing situations are are being completely ignored, and um, and really well, we, uh, we've we can talked do much we, we've talked with a number of those groups over the last little while that have to, are being forced to go to tribunals. Yeah. It's an intimidating process for them. A lot of the time they don't feel that they can get proper representation yeah. and they feel as if the deck is stacked against them. Yeah, and it is. We have a system in Ontario that um, where tenants have very little power and we have to recognize that that we need to give to tenants more power to, to make it a fairer system um, so that uh, 
tenants can be protected because housing is a human right. It's not, shouldn't just be left up to the market forces. Well, and, and I guess really when you look at it from that perspective, Kim, uh, there's a, a number of other issues that have to be dealt with, and you've touched on many of them here in this report. But job one is put a roof over somebody's head. I mean, you know, there's, there's too many people living on the street right now, and, and that's that's got to be the first element here to simply say, okay, get out of the cold, get out of the, the rain, get out of the, the weather, and, and have some place to live, some place that you can call home. Uh, and let's work from there. because That seems to be job one before you can address a lot of these other challenges. And that's really what's behind the um, the housing first philosophy, is that mm-hmm. before we can address other issues, people need to have safety, they need to have physical security, and, and that is in part through affordable housing. So how do we provide that? And then also how do we then lend support into for other areas that may be needed? What are the challenges? You've got this report now, and, and like you say, this is this is good news. Although the, you know, we obviously still have a lot of work to do. Where do you go from here, Sarah? I, you know, I mean, for, for us, this is a time to um, to really bolster all the people. You know, the, this poverty reduction that happened over the last twenty years was not an accident. It was because of hard work that was done. Um, you know, in terms of researchers putting out the numbers in terms of and, and finding out about policies in other countries in terms of activists um, um, you know demonstrating and 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 talking to their neighbors and um, and and all sorts of ways that that we've as a society d- realized our eyes have been opened and governments have realized okay yeah actually if we invest in people we are going to improve the economy reduce poverty and reduce the taxpayer burden and and so it's a time to realize okay this is um, this work needs to continue the work is hard um, but it is worth it there are gains it is um, it we we can see improvements it's not um, you know people have said to us oh nothing's changed in poverty why are you bothering and this is like no this is there are changes there are improvements when we all um, pitch in uh, together and 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 decide that this is worth um, worth investing um, and 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 worth tackling and eliminating once and for all. Uh, we've got about a minute left here. I know what we talked about a lot of the downtown areas, and I know they identified twelve neighborhoods, and eleven of them are downtown. Uh, but the the broader picture here, though, is this is not just a downtown issue. This is this is rampant everywhere in the city. Yeah, this this report doesn't uh, uh, have uh, you know it's really just at the city level, um, but there are we've done previous reports that show there there is poverty in every single neighborhood uh, in our in our city absolutely, um, and so it's something that we um, we we can't just concentrate or, or think of as a downtown issue for sure. Absolutely, mm-hmm. well, some good news here anyway, and a, a lot of stuff to work on here, and uh, you know as I say, you haven't really got time to pat yourselves on the back because there's a lot more to go, but we really do appreciate the update on this. Uh, thanks for coming in today. We'll stay Thank in touch you. as uh, we move forward on this. Thanks. Great to meet you, Kim. Thank you. Well, you too. Thank you. I to see a lot more of all both of you in the days and weeks ahead. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.